I'm Tony Hines, and you're listening to the Chain Reaction Podcast, all about supply chain advantage. Stay tuned. Great things coming up. Today I want to talk about service and how service provision and supply is different to goods supply. Yes, there are some similarities between goods and service supply and all goods have a service element to them, but I'm particularly focused on service and what I mean by service is the intangible, the non-tangible service. In other words, it doesn't have an item that can be in a warehouse somewhere and delivered via logistics operations in that way but it's more likely to be delivered digitally. So I'm talking about the notion of service, service supply chains as part of a service system, and how they differ from the usual supply chain arrangements we think about. And so that's what we're going to talk about. Now, when we establish customer service strategies, the first thing we need to know is what do our customers expect And then we have to align our own business goals with the expectation that customers have. Now, we don't just do this in a passive way. We can set the expectations for customers. We can tell them what they can expect from us. And we can look at what the customers, if it's a business-to-business customer, for example, they might have their own business goals that we can relate to to align our goals with them. And we can be quite clear about what we can offer by way of service, that customer service, that customer focus. And we need to establish what the cost of providing the service will be. And that will determine any price that we have to charge for the service we're offering. And establishing cost is important. We can upset people very easily if we don't deliver the service that they expect. And that's about us managing that expectation. We can also very quickly incur cost if we over-provide service that's not required by the customer, that we spec things too high. And we need to know and establish what our service goals are and what the policies for our service are. And we need to make those explicit to customers. They have to be communicated. Historically, product supply chains used to focus on cost, asset utilization, and producing the product. But increasingly, of course, everyone now has to focus on the customer. And so we need a service supply chain. Inventory and return on investment were very important in the product supply chain era. That's what we often refer to as the production era. But of course, every product now carries with it services and every product is a service supply chain. How we manage capacity, knowledge and talent to meet the goals of our organisation and of course, meet the customer's expectations. Those are the key things in service supply chains. To deliver service, we need processes, we need systems that are able to do this in a smart way. And that means intelligence systems, maybe using artificial intelligence to understand how the customer interacts with your website, maybe using search engine optimization tools to understand how people use and engage in the website, and to see how the interaction takes place through what we might refer to as omni-channel delivery systems. Now, you might have experienced this as a consumer when you go to make a purchase in a retail store and you have your credit card with you and you try to 
buy a particular item. There are all kinds of decisions that are being made as soon as you place your card for payment, whether that's through a contactless system or whether it's a physical system where you put your card into a keyboard and then type in some digital code. The decision is made instantly whether to accept your card or reject it. And sometimes in a contactless system, you will know that they will ask for your PIN. And that's when you've used that contactless card, perhaps in close proximity on a number of occasions. So the system knows about how you usually use the card and it compares that usual pattern of behavior with the current pattern of behavior to determine whether you are the person who has the right to use that card. Now, this all happens seamlessly and it's a back office function. It's part of the systems and processes and companies like FICO set up specifically to offer that service to card providers, banks and financial service companies. Again, similar sorts of decisions are taken online if you do any online banking. The system and the procedures involved in that system are set up to identify that it's you first of all making a transaction and whether to allow the purchase to go ahead or ask you to put extra identity information into the system before they accept and treat the transaction as a valid transaction. As customers demand more of the systems and the processes so that they can have the service that they desire, then that means they want the goods when they want them. They want data about those goods, where they are at any point in the supply chain. They want to know where the goods are in the end-to-end supply chain from start to finish. They want to know where they are in the journey at a particular point in time. And then, most importantly, they want to know when they're going to get it and that it's going to be delivered on time, it's going to be complete, it's going to be up to standard, and it's going to be paid for. As these service demands increase, so too must the technology to support the fulfilment. So, if you think of all the different types of technology that you might employ in your supply chain, which could be different types of artificial intelligence, you might have robotic systems employed, and you might have blockchain technology to ensure the validity of processes and to keep things secure and only let people in to the network who have credentials that can be validated by the chain. Now, if you think about all these systems of encryption and blockchains and artificial intelligence, quite often that's not any particular company's specialism. These are services that have to be provided to supply chain organizations or organizations running supply chains. And so if you offer service to your customers, you'll have to invest in technology and you'll have to leverage those services as part of your offer in the system. So you've got to join up the parts from an ecosystem that already exists. And that's the best way to leverage value for the customer. This, of course, requires different skills, different talents, and different people who are able to understand and talk the language of those service businesses so that you can procure the right type of service. Awareness, knowledge, and asking the right questions is the first step. When we think of digital supply chains, they might focus, for example, on providing goods as well as services via the digital connections that we make. 
and establish. So for example, if we go onto a website and we look at an organization's offers, we might be able to buy goods from that organization and we might be able to buy services from that organization. For example, if you go onto software companies or you go onto Microsoft or those sort of consumer sites, then you're most likely buying intangible items, software, for example. If you go onto Amazon, you're probably buying goods as a consumer or as a business, and you're able to purchase those goods, but you're also able to purchase services from them too. And goods are very often not separate to the services that come along because everything that's provided has some service element to it. And it's how we interact with organisations to get the services that we actually need. That's important and that's the subject of our discussion when we talk about service supply chains or how supply chains provide service. When we talk about service, it's provided in different ways. We provide service to people by giving them the goods that they order from us, but we also provide additional service in the form of intangibles. So, for example, we supply people with information about their order, about the progress of that order, about when the goods are going to be delivered, about when the goods have arrived at the destination, and digital supply chains create visibility. They are part of the system that creates visibility in the system. So it's very important to think digital supply chains as a service. Now, when I talk about supply chains quite often, I think and I talk about supply chains as service and as part of a service system. And it's important for organisations to think about the supply chain, not just as fulfilment or as transport and logistics, but about the value that the service is adding to the customer. Now, you can think about service in all kinds of different ways. And you can think about your own organisation, your own company, and the way you have designed your system to provide service to the customer. Service is something that's the bridge between the supplier and the customer. It's something that's offered to the customer, which provides them with added value in some way. All services have a supply chain. And let's think of the type of services there are, because this might help. They can be categorised into what I would refer to as a service factory, and those would be airlines, hotels, leisure facilities, entertainment spaces, theatres, cinemas, concert halls, and so on. And the degree of interaction and customization is pretty low in those service factories, and the degree of labour intensity is also quite low. Then there are service shops where the degree of interaction and customization is higher, but the degree of labour intensity is still low. And they would be things like hairdressers, hospitals, garages. Then there are what I would call mass services, where you have a high degree of labour intensity, but a low degree of interaction and customization. And they would be retailing environments, wholesaling environments, public education, retail banks, estate agents. And finally, we have professional services, where the degree of interaction and customization is high and labor intensity is also high. And that would be lawyers, accountants, surveyors, physicians, undertakers, architects, private education and training. And so those are the different types of customer interactions that take place 
in services. And that was a model first developed by Schmenner quite a long time ago now, back in 1986, but it's still pertinent today. The thing about services is they have to be customer focused. Any service needs to be customer focused. And services might have a different value chain, both elements of cost and value in the way they build up value in the supply chain. And that would depend on those degrees of interaction and customization, and of course, how much labor intensity there is. Now, let's think about a situation where you walk into a hotel, and this is what we might call the service encounter. You walk through the front door of the hotel, and you're greeted by a bellhop, takes the customer's luggage, and the doorman guides the customer to the check-in desk. You enter the hotel, the customer feels a sense of comfort on the site of a large, luxurious leather seating area, marble floors and walls, contemporary lighting, spacious entrance foyer, thick pile carpet, clearly making a footway to the check-in. The customer walks past several hotel guests and they all appear content. They smile as they go about their business. So already you're feeling quite comfortable. One or two say hello as they pass by the guest. As the two members of staff, you arrive at the check-in desk and you're greeted by name by the duty manager. And immediately you're impressed. They've got high-tech computer facilities that deliver a pre-programmed plastic room key and a safety deposit box key. The guest is introduced briefly to the concierge before being led past the large central staircase adjacent to the restaurants, leisure facilities and ballroom towards the lift. And the guest arrives in her room and is amazed on entry and how spacious it looks. Bright, clean, large window, views over the city and river below. And she's pleased to notice that the cases have already arrived while she was on the way to the room, and they're placed on the luggage rack. A member of staff points out the bathroom facilities, offers brief instructions on how to work, the shower, hairdryer, and the TV, testing the lighting and the electronic curtains. And as a guest, you can't help but feel impressed. And this service encounter is all part of the service system. It's part of the supply chain of getting you as the customer into the hotel. Now, it didn't start here. It started maybe months back when you decided you were going to book this hotel. And you either made a call to a hotel, an agency, or more commonly these days, you went onto your computer, your laptop system, and you booked the hotel directly. And when you did so, this is the digital service encounter. You go onto a website, you look around for a hotel in the location you want to be at a specific time, and the first thing you come across is the website itself for that particular hotel group or for that particular hotel. And it's the encounter with the website that begins the journey to this hotel that you've now walked into. At the point at the start of this supply chain, shall we call it, then what's happening is that you have to establish a link. You have to look at the website and the website is the first encounter. So it's very important that that website is clearly designed. It's easy to use. It looks good. It gives the feel of the type of service you might receive if you were to book that hotel. And the system has to work very well. It has to get you into the parts of the system where you can book easily without dropping out. 
without being difficult to understand. It has to be a very simple encounter and it has to be efficient and it has to provide you with a lot of information that you require to make the booking. And of course, when you've established that you like the hotel, you're going to book with that hotel, then of course you have to complete the transaction. Now that might mean simply making a booking of those dates to pay at the hotel when you arrive later, or you might have to leave a deposit, or you may have to pay in full for the hotel before you arrive. It depends on the way the service provider organises the system. But if you part with any money on the website at the start of this process, you have to feel secure about the transaction. So you'd expect normal security to be on the system to keep your private information, your private data, personal data safe, and you would expect everything to go smoothly. And it's only really when things don't go smoothly that we begin to understand the complexity of the way these services work. And it's really off-putting if they don't work well and provide us with the information that we require. Now, let's just think about what makes a service different. Well, a service is intangible. We're not buying goods. We're not looking at specifications for goods. We're looking at the service that the organization is going to provide. And in the case of a hotel, that will be the service of a room for a specified period with facilities that they provide on arrival to make our experience great. With services, there's no inventory. You can't inventory the service. So whereas with goods that we purchase, those goods might be sitting in a warehouse or they might be en route to the warehouse at the point we place the order or they may be ordered instantly on the transaction that we make from a supplier. But with a service, it's all very different. Goods can't be inventoried and services are perishable, which means that if you don't turn up for the appointment, it's gone. And if you miss a theatre performance, it's gone. A film matinee. It's gone. So the service doesn't wait. It's time dependent. There's an interaction between a customer, but there's no manufacturing process. The process of manufacture is separate from the customer, whereas there's always customer interaction between a service and a process. So the service and the service processes are inseparable. Goods produced in the factory are produced to a standard and they're all the same, whereas services should be to a standard and every customer's experience should be similar but of course the service can be tailored it can be different and therefore what people call heterogeneous as opposed to homogeneous so different rather than the same it's important to recognize and understand the differences between a service and goods supply because the strategies we can adopt those supply chain strategies are very different for services than they are for goods and structures and relationships are developed in different contexts the interaction with people as well as with websites become more critical in service provision the process is another important part of the service and that becomes transparent in the service interaction when we receive goods from a manufacturer we never know about the process and we don't often come into contact with people directly who are involved in making the goods but when we engage in a service industry such as a hotel we see the people and we are part of the process there are three overlapping systems that come into play in any service operation 
The service operation is often what we think of as the backstage, invisible to the customer part of the operation. And the front stage is the point at which the service becomes visible to the customer. So, for example, there's lots of things in the hotel we've just walked into that happen behind the scenes. We don't see them, so there's still a lot of processes that remain invisible to us as a customer, just as in manufacturing. But there are parts of the service system that are very visible to us, and that's the service delivery system that we engage with, and also the service marketing system, the system that we first engage with to make our booking. So I'm going to explain this using a model that I've used for many years to understand service operations and to work with clients who build service operations. And it's called the seduction model. It was developed by Lovelock. And I'm going to explain how it works. Now, the service environment consists of two parts. It consists of the invisible environment, the parts we can't see, all the back office stuff that takes place, and it consists of a visible part. And the visible part has two components to it. It has inanimate environment, which in our example in the hotel would be the hotel itself and all the physical space and the facilities that we engage with. And of course, it would be the animate part, the people that we directly make contact with who are providing the service. So those are the two different parts of the visible space or the visible environment. And it's important not to forget that that visible part is also our interaction with digital devices. So it would be tablets, phones, and of course, computer equipment and how we engage with the people providing service to us. And so it's not just people, but it's the systems in the process and, of course, any artificial intelligence that's involved in providing service. And when we talk about systems and the device connection and the service we receive, we might receive that service through the device via websites or other delivery mechanisms. And the customers are part of that visible system. So we engage with the front office and all the people that provide the service immediately. But we don't engage with all the invisible parts of the system that go in to making our experience. And those would be all the back office things that happen. All the accounting systems. We only see the front end when we get our bill. We don't see everything that happens behind the scenes. We don't see the restaurant ordering. We don't see the service personnel and how they interact with each other behind the scenes. We only see our interaction. So I hope that makes clear the difference between a service and a goods supply chain. But let's just recap on the difference between service and goods. So services, they can't be inventoried They are time dependent, so they perish. For example, if we book a room for a specific date and we don't turn up, it's perished, it's gone. We can't reclaim it at a later date. It's place dependent. We have to go to where the service is provided. Consumers are always involved in the factory. And what I mean by this statement is that as a customer, as a consumer, we are in the factory. We're experiencing the service directly. We're in that visible part, the interaction process. Changes in service operations always cause changes in consumer behavior. If someone tells us the room that we booked isn't available, then that might create a response from us that says, well, why not? Why haven't you got that room available? I booked it weeks ago and I was expecting that room. So you might be left let down in the expectation 
And you might, in fact, decide to walk away if they haven't got the room that you want or it doesn't appear to be at the standard you require. So that's what we mean by a change in service operation always causes a change in consumer behavior. Everyone and everything coming into contact with the consumer in delivering the service is visible. Quality isn't controlled at the factory gate. Quality is through the interaction. And contact personnel are like products. They're part of your experience. Now, when we think about goods... They're very different. A good supply chain, you do have inventory. It may not necessarily be in the right place at the right time, but you do have inventories in the system. It's not necessarily time dependent. You don't have to order something or get the goods by a particular time, but you would expect them to be delivered at the time that you agree. The goods aren't place dependent. They could be anywhere. You're not bothered about where they are as long as you get them when you want them, when you've placed the order. Consumers are hardly ever involved in the factory. It's unlikely as a consumer that you go and check on your can of beans and how that can's put together and how the beans were processed, etc., etc. You don't do that. You just get the goods and you expect them to be at the standard that you have specified or at the standard the manufacturer specifies. Changes to factory operations don't involve any changes in consumer behavior because you don't really know what those changes in factory operations are. In the factory, they might have all sorts of problems. They might have delivery issues. They might have small changes to specifications that you don't need to know about and you'll never know about, but that that all happens in the factory. Only front office staff deliver service. And there is service that goes on alongside goods, of course, And that's delivered both by personnel and by the systems, by the digital systems that the organisation has. So the computer services and so on. There's quality control at the factory before delivery. And contact personnel in the goods provider are not really that important to how the product performs. Although you do expect when you have the personal contact with somebody at the factory to be up to standard. Now, I began talking about digital service, and digital services have transformed the way supply chains work. And particularly over the past 20 years or so, digital services are far more prevalent today than they ever were. In fact, if you want to engage with government today or any of the government services, you'll most likely have to go and use the digital services via websites because you can't necessarily phone up and speak to people about lots of things You'll have to engage with the digital services and you'll have to download forms from the system and complete forms on the system, even your tax returns. So everything is through digital service provision. And if you think about that digital service and the increase of digital service, it's changed in many ways. A lot is for the better. But you have to also think about people who find it difficult to engage with digital services. And those people might have poor sight, poor visibility, poor hearing, may not be able to use the services because they don't actually have an internet connection or don't know how to use a computer or a device to engage with the service. So we shouldn't just assume that everybody is able to use those services because they may not be able to. So we still need to think about how we can provide service to those who don't have digital connections. But let's concentrate for a moment on those digital services and how they've been provided. Many of them today are through what we 
would call cloud services. And that simply means that the service interaction is done via the internet or via an encrypted network connection. And we'll connect to servers, which we refer to as in the cloud. Of course, they're not in the cloud at all. They're located in physical space somewhere, but we're able to access them through the internet. Now, if we think about those types of services, we do this all the time when we stream music, when we stream video, films, Netflix, for example, Amazon Prime services, Apple TV, Sky TV, all kinds of digital services for entertainment are available at a price, of course. So we can engage with all those services and we don't need to have physical product, either in the form of a DVD or a vinyl record or a tape, for those of you listening that remember tape cassettes. And we'll listen to our music that way, we'll watch our films that way, and we'll engage with the digital service. Businesses, too, are able to engage with their customers via a range of digital services. Many of you who purchase products either for your company or as a consumer, will know that you will access a website. That website may be on a private network, a virtual private network, which is encrypted and as safe as can be. And some of you will engage through public services with government or with companies selling their wares via the internet. And so, for example, if you engage with a company over a network, then the service they provide has to be efficient and it has to be effective. Otherwise, you won't go back, you won't use it again, and you'll move to another supplier, whether you're a consumer or a business user. So it's very important that the digital services work efficiently. And that's a key part of the strategy for any organization offering their goods or services via digital networks. They have to be safe, they have to be fast, they have to be efficient, they have to be effective. And so when you go on to the best services, you're able to find the products that you require quickly. So there's a minimum amount of time involved. The catalogs are easy to trawl through and find things. The search systems are good. And they'll keep you informed right from the minute you engage with the company, make your order. They'll tell you if the goods are in stock. They'll tell you if they can provide that service as and when at a particular time. They'll tell you the price. They'll tell you any additional cost. They'll give you a delivery date and then they'll keep you informed right through the whole process until the goods are delivered to your door or to the business. And I say goods, but of course I mean service as well, because we don't just buy goods this way. We buy services. We buy software. We buy legal services. We'll buy memberships of organizations. We'll buy streaming, music, video, and we'll buy services from supplier companies maybe a software company, piece of software that we need. Now, people sometimes think of service and service supply chains in a very narrow way. They think about the supply chain that provides the service element of goods. But of course, we're taking a much broader definition of the nature of service. And service is provided independently of goods. So it's not just an element of the goods process. It's an intangible that's provided in its own right. So let's briefly recap. Service is different from goods. Service can be paired with goods 
and it can be something separate and it's intangible. We have to decide as an organization what service level we're going to provide to our customers. And that might be a matter of policy, but it won't just be policy from nowhere. It'll be policy that's established by understanding what our customer needs and trying to match our service and our service level to meet the customer's demands. So it's having that customer focus that determines service and service level. We don't want to over-specify service levels because that will cost and it'll be wasteful because the customer won't necessarily appreciate it if we over-specify and the customer won't want to pay for a service they don't want. So we have to be pretty clear about the service and the service level that we're willing to provide. We don't want the service and service level to exclude us from contracts and from bidding processes or from market share or gaining customers. So it's a careful process. has to be well thought through. In our discussions so far, we talked about the difference between good supply chains, where we move products through the supply chain, and we've talked about the difference between how they work and how service supply chains work. And the focus of our attention in this episode has been on service supply chains. And in contemporary service supply chains, we have to leverage the ecosystem for digital resources that are available to the organization to improve the service we can offer. It can expand not only the range, but the value to the customer of those service offerings. Well, that's it for this edition of Chain Reaction. Hope you've enjoyed it. Hope you find it useful. Hope you pick up some tips. Hope you're able to employ them in your organization, wherever you are. So I'll see you in the News Roundup, 12 noon on Saturday. But for now, I'm Tony Hines. I'm signing off. Bye for now. Listening to the Chain Reaction podcast, written, presented, and produced by Tony Hines. Hi, I'm Tony Hines. I'm here to tell you about the Chain Reaction podcast, all about supply chain advantage. I've been researching and writing about supply chains for over 25 years. I wrote my first book on supply chain strategies in the early 2000s. Each week we have special episodes on particular topics relating to supply chains. And we have a weekly news roundup every Saturday at 12 noon. All things impacting global supply chains in that week. So come and join us on the Chain Reaction podcast. I look forward to seeing you there. I'm Tony Hines. I'm signing off. Bye for now.